1: And welcome to Security Insecure, hosted by Johnny Seaford. This is the Celebrity Mental Health Podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. And if you have the same mantra as me, then before we get to today's guest, please subscribe to Security Insecure whilst you're listening or watching. And at the end of the episode, leave a five star rating and a review. And let me tell you about my guest today. today is a dear friend of Sakuninska, who you've heard for many many times on the podcast she's a singer a presenter a podcast life coach and a relationship expert and she's just wrapped on celebs go dating season 12 and is here for her own deep dive to analyze the vulnerabilities that the celebs went through and also her own as they were showcased in the latest season and away from the show she's seen a massive success this year with her Luana podcast alongside Louisa Zisman, which ended up then selling out the London Palladium no doubt which obviously she spoke about in a previous episode and solving your dilemmas on her platform the relationship place to help You become a better person, whether it's your own confidence or if you're having problems in your own relationship. So without further ado, I'm delighted to welcome back to Sukanisko. It's my dear friend, it's Anna Williamson. Hello, Anna. Oh
2: Johnny, what an amazing introduction. Although, can I just say two things before we start? Firstly, yes, everybody, please give a five-star review to this excellent podcast. I know how important those reviews are. And secondly, a singer. I am flattered that you put singer in my little introduction i would say slightly rubbish singer but i'll go with it well this is the
1: this is the other problem with someone like you anna is that because you've been in the industry for so long a lot of people will <laughs> only know you for just celebrating or obviously people will know you from splash in your swimming costume <laughs> or some people <laughs> i i've been around a long time i remember those oh. days or people will know you from CIT. I love you.
2: This is why I love you because, well, I love you for many, many reasons, as you know. um You know, we've worked together, we've played together for a long time, but you also, we we go back, you know, we it's the nostalgia. This is what I love about you, JS.
1: Well, and that is literally why I will champion you to the end of time because most people won't remember you going on Natick and going, oh my God, look, here's Recess. And I'm like, go on. And then all the press came and I was like, <laughs> Anna Williamson was a kids presenter, obviously, when reset said that, but you were a singer in the 90s. But that's why I find these episodes really important because, it's not just about you and celebrities dating. People think, well, that's it. She's coming. She's suddenly this coach on celebrities dating. That's it. You've got such a career behind you as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, as, as you know, babe, It's. I think people often, there are some exceptions, but I think mostly with all of us that, you know, waft around on the telly or in entertainment or in this world of showbiz, people often see kind of the, um, yeah, almost the end product almost, don't they? What they don't see are the years of grafting and hustling, of rejections, of learning your craft, going away, coming back again. And, gosh, I've been in telly now for – oh, my God, this shows my age. So I'm 42 now. I started when I was 17. So 25 years – I need to have a birthday party. 25 years in telly, I've had.
1: But it's 25 years in telly, which then you separate into different sections because you've got yeah. – for 25 years, and a lot of people – in your industry or types of you, you know what I mean? Basically, would have started in kids' telly then they've graduated into adult telly and just doing normal programs, you know, like a holiday series or ones that are like daytime ish. Then you've got those who've then gone on a reality show, like a strictly or a dancing on ice. And then you've got those who are hosting their own shows. And then you've got the shiny floor Saturday night shows. And you think, well, that's Ant and Dick and they're the only ones who've graduated to that level. And it's like, there's so many different layers into it. And as you talk about the rejection also, it's not just programs, it's also channels. So, you know, you were part of ITV, you then go to E4, you've been a bit at the BBC, like, you have to go around and that's also a joke.
2: As a coach, as a therapist, like I talk a lot about uh, resilience and practising resilience. And, you know, I don't think these things are, I think these things are, they're not even a happy accident. I almost think they're sort of by design really, but I guess, I guess really, but without sort of blowing my own trumpet, but I am sort of resilience personified really, because 25 years of any career, I think, you know, regardless of what industry you're in, but especially one that is very fast paced, it's forever changing, it's subjective, it's objective, it's, you know, for years I spent, reason why, as you know, I got into sort of therapy and coaching was because I realised how beholden I was to channels, networks, production companies and execs saying yes to me. And I realised that that was quite a precarious position to be in because I don't think you can then be picky or choosy as as much as you can be, I think, unless you sort of work on your own self-worth and your other strings to your bow. And I felt very out of control, I think, in a way, because because it is an interesting career as you know like being a tv presenter being a broadcaster it isn't it's not like you go into a medical degree for seven years and you're kind of you know it's a transferable skill you can pretty much pick up any job anywhere because you have that qualification you know tv and broadcasting journalism as you know as i know it's a big old world out there there's a lot of people vying for the same job so you have to keep hustling so i think resilience has always been key for me but i feel very grateful that I really did learn throughout the years, and some of the some of the the the, the rejections were really hard. Like when Tsunati came to an end, that was that was particularly difficult because you know I spent five years at GMTV, you know, CITV flagship, you know, morning show, and a new boss came in, clean sweep as they say, came in with a broom and decided that that show was not something they wanted to keep on their on their slate, and so a whole department of thirty five people went and that was a hard one to swallow because especially when you I think like like 573 shows of tunatics a lot of telly and then suddenly you realize all about hard work poof like a puff of smoke it's gone because a new boss has come in wanting to do things differently which is fair enough everyone's entitled to do that but it kind of left me feeling like I had nothing for a while you know when that but then I learned very much particularly through that job and that rejection really did teach me that you know, my dad has always been my my biggest champion, really. And he's the king of positive and which is, you know, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, for sure, with him and me. And he always says, like, you know, when, when one door closes, another will open. And I do really remember thinking, I just can't see. I just can't see how I'm ever going to get an opportunity like this ever again. You know, the pinnacle of kids TV, ITV, Saturday, Sunday morning telly. I'm never going to be able to replicate that. And then look. Proofs in the pudding. You keep reinventing. You keep working hard. You keep being polite and nice and humble, and work hard for your opportunities and be grateful of what you get and be pleased for others when they get those opportunities. And yeah, I think if you keep hanging in there, you know what you get rewarded. And you know what, me getting Slebs go dating, dare I even say it was even more of a was an even more of a triumph for me personally as a job because it combined my two greatest loves, TV hosting and therapy all in one wonderful go and here I am six years later. Let's just delve
1: a little bit deeper into that Anna. You mentioned when one door closes another one opens and as an analogy it's a very nice analogy. Same as everyone's Mm. on their own pathway.
2: It's a bit bit twee isn't it?
1: Well this is what I want to know as with your counsellor head on if you're giving Mm. that advice to someone when one door closes another one opens you've got to have that closure and then you've got to go on that grief journey of going, right, this has happened. I've lost the job. What is my self-worth? Then you dwell. Then you go, right, what am I now going to do and be proactive? And how do we get back on the saddle, so to speak? But is it that type of phrase, like everything happens for a reason, that when you think things aren't going well, it's almost like saying, look, I need to get out of that job or I need to get out of that relationship and then positive will happen because it's it's sometimes we get so combustive going oh my god i'm getting so much anxiety over my job over my relationship i just need to end it if i end it i've got nowhere to go is it going well look just leave and at some point maybe a day two days a week a month later it will all work itself out Mm -hmm.
2: so this is such a great question and i think like i know myself how hard it is as you say in relationships in jobs um particularly those two things actually of feeling the fear of the unknown, feeling the fear of change. And it's really normal for us all to feel like that because we all essentially, you know, we we fear the unknown, you know, and we want to be in control of our situation. And when something is open-ended, it can be highly worrying. So we can just stick to what we know it's safety it's a safety blanket which is why people stay in bad relationships it's why people stay in jobs that are unfulfilling because the unknown is far scarier than just putting up with what they've currently got so what i often say is about getting those ducks in a row really it's about really really tuning in and being introspective. And I mean, I'm a big fan of a a pros and cons list, to be honest. I mean, it's not a very uh, technical tool to use, but really drilling down and asking yourself, what is this job, relationship, insert, whatever? What is this giving me? What is it giving me? And what is it not giving me? And often when you really start to be honest with yourself by just writing down and talking through in your mind or with a coach or a therapist, really what the situation is you often find yourself coming to that conclusion and you'll often find that little nugget is then it's then I've just come off doing my podcast around the podcast and we had a a big dilemma we often get big dilemmas in and a woman who's worried about leaving her relationship because in her words you know I've you know I, I I have a good lifestyle but actually what she was explaining to us is that she's actually in a very emotionally abusive relationship so it's really weighing up you know actually like for her what is this good lifestyle then let's break that down you know and and actually that's where the clarity comes in and change as we know is, is fundamentally terrifying for most of us to do but it's about mindset and also sure doing a little bit of due diligence as well some people come to me and they want coaching all right that's it i'm gonna pack in my job and i'm just gonna you know hope for the best i hate my job you know and so and so we can work with that we go well that's great that sounds like you know you're, you just want to just you know go for it But we've got to be realistic. Do you have finances that can support you whilst you potentially don't have a job? Do you know what I mean? We have to be sensible. Do you have dependents that we need to be, you know, consider about? So you can have that big um, want, goal, wish, dream, and then we can just slightly step it back and just work out what those actual practical steps to kind of minimize risk might also look like. Because I have some of those changes been forced upon me which I didn't want, and would I have left my show? Hell no, of course not. Has time and evidence told me that actually those decisions have been okay and have led to other different, better, more fulfilling things? Yes. So I think if you have the faith in that and you have a can-do positive attitude about that, you are more likely to seek that. Like You're someone, Johnny, that I have no doubt, I'm not even saying this to be nice, flatter you i have no doubt at all that you will excel constantly in your career um because you are extremely astute you know your job you know there is nobody out there that is is a more thoroughly researched interviewer um and and because you you have that level of passion and that work ethic you will always always succeed you make me
1: cry You <laughs> <I still laughs> managed to make me cry every time I speak to you both. Oh, right. um,
2: but it's true. But do you believe that statement when I say that?
1: No, and I had a very good conversation with. Uh, I presume, I think you might know. You know Chuck Thomas, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, there's a little shout out to Chuck Thomas. He actually listens to this. Right as well, back so. in my
2: kid's days. Right. Well, exactly. My... So
1: he was. Uh, I think he was at CITV as well. Yeah. I think he begun with. Yeah. And then he went to Quizmania and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I was talking to him the other day, drop name. What a big name to drop name. No one goes for like, I don't know, some big stuff. I go for a Chuck Thomas. Like, no, most people haven't heard him. Anyway, we were talking about imposter syndrome and he was saying that the reason why you've got imposter syndrome is because you're so good at your job that you always go above and beyond and you're not someone that ever gets complacent. And I'm like, that's true. And I care so much what people think. But at the same time, That imposter goes, Well, I'm not going to be good enough, and I'm never going to be good enough. And I look at someone like you, and the amazing thing of something that you've done is that you had your niche, which again is kids' telly. You then go to Good Morning Britain's former side, which was Daybreak, doing their showbiz, completely different audience. And then the TV goes away. You obviously go off and become a counselor, but then you start getting a new career in the media, doing all the skills you've learned. You're working in local radio at Three Counties, talking to a very niche audience. You're then talking on talk radio in a late night slot to a mainstream audience who's a lot older and then you're going trying to get back into tv talking to yet yeah, that youth demographic where you started and you're going all the way around in a circle talking to all these different people but you know yourself you can adapt yourself and talk to those people which a lot of people probably wouldn't think they could do they know their mm. niche, and that's all they're going to re- exploit
2: well i mean that's such a massive compliment and actually when you describe it like that actually yeah it's this is why i love talking to you because you you actually work as my therapist whether you know it or not but you because you help me reflect back on what i've done and what i and what i do because I think we spend so much time. You know, for me, I'm I'm very much in the present and the future. Actually, I don't really stay in the past, which a lot of people do. Um, but I think that's probably why I keep motoring on. And people are like Annie, you're so busy all the time. It's like I am, but 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 probably not as busy as people think I am because I I have my children. And when you don't see me being busy, it's because I'm with my children. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's learning your craft. It's learning what you do. But I think being a TV presenter and certainly being well, you all know this, you know, as a journalist, you know, but but also as a, working in therapy, I'm so honoured to work with people of all different ages. And I'm naturally curious about people. And I've always been able to like, I don't want to sound got my own backside, but I think you know, I've always had a gift, you know, of reading people. But I've always naturally been able to kind of read the room and rapport as a broadcaster, as an interviewer. And as a therapist, is the number one skill you have to nail. So I guess for me, probably like yourself, Johnny, is whatever job I do, once bitten twice shy, I always make sure I'm thoroughly researched and prepped. I think the one or two times in my life when I've tried to wing it, i have fallen flat on my face and I think that so whatever job I've been blessed to have had as you say whether it's doing a late night sex and relationships show on talk radio you know whether it's doing showbiz reporting or whatever you know whether it's doing kids telly, whether it's doing celebs go dating and you know therapizing celebrities whatever it is I've always taken it really seriously I think that's really important and I think particularly in this day and age with television and just the current climate that we're in, in a good way, I think that kind of chances and people that are winging it are kind of been filtered out a little bit. You kind of got to. There's too many good people out there. Too much talent out there now. I think for people to be either a, a bit of a a hole, you know, and not very nice. I think those people are getting wheedled out as well. And I think you, I think you gotta you gotta prove yourself more now. And I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, but the proving yourself comes through almost your social media numbers as a way of proving yourself. It's not a case of just being good at your job and being that stable uh, pair of hands. You know, we look at someone like Craig Doyle, who's been in the industry for so long, now hosting on This Morning, but again, he's not their star quality, so they would rather have Alison or Dermot in with Holly than Craig, even though Craig is very good at the job. And so you go, well, what's the social media following? What's the audience reaction? And it's like... The audience aren't getting the chance to get to know these people because straight away it's well they've got two million followers, they've got ten million followers, right? They're a presenter. You look at how many TikTok stars are now becoming presenters, and we have to remember with TikTok especially, they're all edited pieces. Those yes. pieces will be done over and over and over again. They can't right. do live tally, and yet, yet yeah, they're being right. given the jobs because of their following.
2: That's a very good, very good counterpoint. Actually, that talent and graft alone, yeah, is very much having to compete with clickbait and social media numbers you're you're absolutely spot on on that but I also think with that is like I've been doing this for 25 years right and I remember the trends coming around and almost I feel like a bit of a bit of a wizened old lady now you know veteran but I always remember like joking with Kate Garraway, you know who I've worked with and you know consider a, a sort of loose friend because we've always sort of hung around and worked together on and off on on ITV projects in particular and you know we always used to joke you know that we were just like you know like a fart you'd fart in the wind you know you would keep sort of wafting back you know And I remember when I was in kids' telly and coming through kids' telly, and suddenly the, uh, you know, in the sort of 2000, suddenly all the, you know, Big Brother started and all of the the reality shows started. And there was, you know, bred a different celebrity, these overnight celebrities with instant fame. And I remember with, you know, reality stars very much being, you know, the the, the hot, hot potato of the day when it came to telly jobs. And you suddenly see them, um, some of them getting other mainstream presenting gigs, which I remember at the time could feel really frustrating because you'd think, well, I, you know, I think I'm pretty good at this job, you know, but you'd be turned over for somebody that had a more of a profile and was more popular. And that could be quite hard to swallow. But then what I realized as time went on is that if you keep grafting, if you just keep doing what you got to do, you know, just keep being a decent person, keep, being true to yourself with what you do and what don't chameleon yourself just because of that's what the particular creative brief of that month is from that tv network you know what I mean don't change for others. Be you. And trust me, your time and your USP will come round again. And I've seen my USP come round about three times now. I'm that long in the game. You know, and I suddenly remember, I actually remember going for castings maybe a few years into the reality TV sort of thing was was very much at its height. And suddenly commissioners or execs were going, oh, you know, we've realised that reality TV this is not for everybody, but, you know, they were realising some reality stars just didn't have that technical training in hosting a live ob and suddenly they were kind of then pairing a reality star with someone that could anchor that did have training in live television someone like myself and then suddenly there's that value that suddenly came back and it's about having value and suddenly it was like well okay that's so and so gosh they're a safe pair of hands because they can host that show and do it with someone that has a very little television experience but they are famous and I had quite a few jobs like that where I would consider myself to be the solid pair of hands that was helping to cushion the, the newbie. And you know what, you could be bitter about it and go, mm, it's not fair, or, I'm probably being paid less than them. Or like I chose to be, I was just grateful that I was working and that someone had seen my value and I found it a compliment that they thought I was talented enough to be able to anchor that and host that. And I really believe that that talent and that mindset wins through. Oh.
1: final point on that is in the industry as a whole we know that managers commissioners bosses change every couple of months or years we also know that the people who are those safe power of hands are the ones who are always going to consistently work so you might have a big celebrity or big reality star come in they host a show it might be given a season or two and then they're out again Whereas the ones who are the safe pair of hands will always have that consistent work all the way through. Doesn't matter what day, what month what year it is. they just know, let them get on because hope, they're great and I don't have to worry about them.
2: You hope so. And you know, and I think, you know, I, it's been quite nice really kind of this this industry is a funny old place. It's one that I feel like <laughs> I'm very sad, but I don't know any different. It is like a family to me, like the world of telly. It's actually incredibly small, as you know, as, as as big as it is, but when I see people like you know Kate Garraway or, or, or Ben Shepherd or, or Ramveer or Christine Lampard, you know these are people that I've been, you know, even Holly Willoughby and people like that. I've been knocking on shoulders with Fern Cotton for years and decades now. It's in an industry where you sort of sometimes feel you don't belong because you talk about imposter syndrome because you're never really at a job long enough get your feet under that table and it sounds really silly but as a freelancer you know sometimes all you want is a little desk you know with your little chair that you go to every day and I have had some of those jobs in telly um like I say GMTV five years Nickelodeon of that for two years so I have had those jobs within television but I would say on the whole you know you are kind of a lone wolf really in an industry as a freelancer so you do really have empathy and a real understanding of folks in your same Situation, Like I think now, you know, being as a working mom, you know, I've got my kids, you know, I really lean into people like Laura Whitmore or Mel Schilling from Married at First Sight, who's got a daughter, Zoe Hardman, you know, to kind of, you kind of want some camaraderie knowing, well, who does what I do similarly? And I'm always desperately asking for like, well, how do you do the juggle, you know? And it's really cathartic when you you don't want your, your mates and your peers to be struggling either. But it is cathartic to hear that they are really just juggling like you are too. And there is no secret formula. And I find that really quite comforting in this industry. And I find my experience working in telly just such a warm place. And, you know, I love working at celebs. I find the team there, that is a family, really. I've been there six years. Adore working on that show. And, you know, I just feel like I'm going to keep going as long as anyone wants to employ me. And even if they don't want to employ me, I'll make them somehow.
1: <laughs> I would <will> always <laughs> employ you. You know that I would always employ you. Whether it's getting, uh, can you just come in on Saturday night, please, just for me, or can you come in on a Tuesday lunchtime? Because not that you've got anything better to do. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I'll
1: come right. and make
2: you anytime.
1: Right, let's talk celebs go dating. So, how did you find season twelve? Because it was a bit different to the seasons <laughs> we've seen between now and <clears throat> the Mansion series that we don't talk about.
2: You love that? One. Did you love that one or hate that one?
1: I despise that one. Oh,
2: you despise that some people loved it some people hated it they're I stupid yeah. they're
1: stupid <laughs> um this, so this year you had brunches which obviously mad at first sight have the big dinner parties you did brunch this year so the final episode of each week was a brunch how did you find that experience as a counsellor and as a presenter
2: so yeah we knew there were going to be some format changes this series and you know you, you trust in the powers that be no one is bigger than the show as you know and you know, season 12 now, it's actually really technically season 14 if you put the mansion, the virtual one in, into play as well. I don't, um, stupid serious. <laughs> carry on. Everything, you know, it, it's the nature of telly, as you know, to keep evolving. It's a very competitive market out there, especially for dating shows. You've got to keep delivering and tweaking. So I have massive respect and empathy for our execs that have to keep the heart of the show, but obviously deliver on any of the little tweaks and changes to trying to keep making it fresh so the brunches were a new format addition and honestly initially Paul and I talked about it we just we thought they'd be pretty dead we were we didn't really think they'd be that eventful you know they genuinely were designed as a feedback session at the end of every week because we realized that in previous series we hadn't really had a lot of the celebs all together at the same time so we felt that with fewer celebs this series by design six celebrities we would be able to unpack and explore their stories a lot more so it felt prudent to get them all together you know when it's 13 14 celebs it's quite a lot it's a bit chaotic you know what i mean it turns into a massive mixer so but with 6 you know it was small enough to be able to do face to face feedback you couldn't do that anymore it would be far too long and yeah we didn't predict at all how quite dramatic they went so i think at times i mean what what you should remember as well is that at all times the celebs are completely looked after from a duty of care perspective, and they were all fine about everything that happened throughout those branches. and sure, we saw some explosive moments, but the storylines and everything that was explored on that, they actually went well, and they could be quite dramatic, but I think the aspect of the feedback was a good format point in the fact that it helps make the celebrities be accountable of their decisions and communication and truth-telling. And I think because some of those celebrities were struggling in the way they delivered that that's why they ended up being so explosive i mean if they all came in and were just absolutely yes sorry yes thank you very much for dating me but i don't think i'd like to date you anymore thank you very much bye-bye you know i don't think we would have had the, the drama that ensued
1: well i don't think you necessarily need the drama i think for me the stand-up moments were adam collard and you talking about when his mum left and he was 15 years old oh, also him you. and Lottie at the end that last therapy session together and the way paul looked after him and then mark francis saying about how he never really felt love. for me those were the stand-up moments those are the ones that You'll always remember because you're going to carry on watching Mark Francis or Made in Chelsea and Adam on another TV show. And it's those values that show really important to carry on with them so that you understand the journey they've been on.
2: I'd like to have done more of that. Um, the Without a doubt, you know, my favourite part of, of doing Celebs go Dating is doing my work, is doing the work as a coach and as a therapist in the world of dating and psychotherapy is to unpack our celebrities and the reasons why they have found themselves at the dating agency and my biggest proud moments are when we get those breakthroughs from the celebrities and um yeah i if if we had more time i would i would love even more of that
1: final question is there a chance that there'll be a spin-off with celebrity dating that just focuses on the therapy whether as a podcast or as a bonus show you know how big brother used to be big brother's bit (laughs) on the Psych.
2: yeah Yes. Do you know something that's so interesting? I I would love that. And actually, I even mentioned this to um, the the people that make the show, even again as last week, um, because I think I've definitely seen feedback from people that have watched the show that have enjoyed it, but have also asked for more of the therapy side of things that we've seen previously, that it's become apparent to me, certainly, and it's a lovely compliment that how valued that part of the show is. And my hope is that that part of the show isn't lost in replacement of more drama. You know, it was handled hand in hand really well, this series. But yeah, I would adore a spin off series, a spin off show, whatever it may be, where we unpack more of the unseen footage almost of when we deep dive our celebrities because we're in with them an hour at each time each time we see them it's an hour so there's an awful lot of stuff that doesn't make the telly for obvious reasons because of time constraints but um people are interested in knowing more and i think the take-homes are also really powerful
1: you can hear Anna Williamson on the Luana podcast check out the relationship place online for all your relationship ones and twos and catch up on Celebsico dating on the channel for website if you love Celebsco dating like I do Paul and Tom along with many of the stars over the years including Georgia Still, Amy Tapper Navid Soul, Pete Wicks Liam Ridden Ryan Mark Parsons etc etc et basically everyone who's been on Celebsco dating has been on security insecure in the past go <laughs> and check out in the library those episodes and if you're watching on YouTube please leave a comment subscribe and give that thumbs up and on podcast follow review leave a five-star rating and keep sharing on social media. I'm at Skinny and Skid Podcast and at Johnny Seifert is where you can find me. And let's keep spreading the word it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seaford. Thanks so much for watching or listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinns.